Elsie. Oh my god, I'm so excited you are here, everybody. <laughs> This is Miss Anne Samoyla from FearlessLaunching.com. Is that the website you want me to? Yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah, great, awesome. That's, that's the main. That's the main place. That's the main place. So you know, I act. I in all in, in full disclosure, I did want Jess to be number one for this year, <laughs> for us to have a conversation <laughs> for the first she podcast of this year. But alas, her voice is gone, and she's kind of sick. And so we thought, you know what, we need to push through this. And and you're the first person that popped into my mind to have this conversation all about sponsorship. Well, dude, I'm there. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. I know. I was like, oh my God, Anne, can you be online in like two hours? You're like, uh, no. <laughs> I just woke up. <laughs> It's the magic hour. I'm with my six-year-old. What do you think? <laughs> yes, exactly. So we did uh, a, you know, carve a little bit of time. So, so uh, and then it, it's funny because right when we got on the line, you were saying that you don't know if, you know, you know enough for this. And I, I don't want you to know enough about this. I want you to ask the questions. And we're talking about that this is sponsorship because uh, we get questions about sponsorship all the time. So I kind of want a place to send people to and then I can just go like listen to this episode. <laughs> so. No, I think that's awesome. I mean, this is this is something that at a certain point, once you get going on your podcast, you start thinking, okay, how does this connect with revenue in my business? What, how do I, do I, am I going to go that route? And at some point, I think all podcasters who make it past a certain period of, you know, publishing, mm -hmm. get to this question for themselves. Yeah. And, and I feel also the challenge of this is that, you know, you're a business person, you've had your business for a while, there's other women in two podcasts that have had their businesses. And so they they kind of know the language of revenue, they know the language of how to monetize things or, or, you know, having products and whatnot. And then there's the other aspect of, of, of our ladies or gents that have started the podcast, and they don't have a business. And this could be their first and only viable, in quotes, product that they are selling, perhaps for the first time. So this is sort of like newbie land for them and definitely they don't know much about the process of all of this so I, I thought how to break it down in a way that is um, not based I guess basic yeah for people who have been around the block in terms of business but not in podcasting and mm -hmm. people who have our this is our first time around the block in just trying to sell their podcast and maybe they've been podcasting for a little bit longer Uh, which brings me to, because this is something that brings, that comes up all the time. How, and, and this was a thread that was put up on our Facebook group, which was sort of like asking, we want advice from seasoned podcasters, right? And I was, mm. and I kept thinking, well, I don't know if seasoned podcasters are going to be the best people to be asking the question. So I'm going to give you a definition of what I feel as seasoned podcasters. And please, Anne, feel free to add or, or disagree with me. Okay. So a seasoned podcaster has been doing this for at least uh, a year and a half, more bonus, that's great, has produced consistently for a year and a half, not the same as the above, you need to, you know, iterate often in order, in order for this to happen. So there's people who have been podcasting for like, you know, five years and have And I'd put out like five pieces of content. <laughs> so that's like, hmm. <laughs> then oh, that, <laughs> during that time, you have grown your audience. That doesn't mean to hundreds of thousands, just grown it. So it's kept going up. Has in some way up-leveled their workflow production during that time. You know, we all start from possibly just recording from our computers and then possibly investing in a microphone. That's good. Uh, has listeners slash fans that offer feedback pretty consistently. 
All right. Yeah. Okay. So that, that makes sense. I'm I'm down with all those things. Okay, yes. cool. So that's like what my definition of a seasoned podcaster is. And that criteria is there because consistent production for a sustained period of time gives you massive amounts of experience in the medium and a much deeper understanding of the value of your podcast. So this is more beyond like when you start con- concepting in, when you start to like write down your ideas for a podcast and what you're going to do and, you know, all that stuff that you learn in, in your podcasting school. <laughs> yeah. and, and so now you have the X factor, which you don't when you're concepting, which is your relationship with your audience. You don't, you know what they want and what they don't want because hopefully it's, they're speaking to you. Okay. So notice how in that definition, there's no criteria about monetization. That doesn't mean that you have to make money in order to do this. And that's like the, that's like the thing. Right. Anne. Yeah. I didn't think about that. I didn't yeah. think about that because season does not necessarily mean someone has experience with that monetization piece. Yes, exactly. No. So seasoned podcaster doesn't mean that they know how to make money with their podcast. <laughs> it just means that they know how to podcast. <laughs> right. They're really good at podcasts. Yes. And so they know, they've got those other pieces, which are very important as well, but they're not about monetization. They don't, that skill level is something else. So I wanted to kind of touch base a little bit of where, you know, the podcaster came from, a little bit of history. And, and Anne, I think you can add to this as well, because you have been listening for a while. You know some of these peeps that back in the day... <laughs> They it's started embarrassing with the how long how long I've been listening to podcasts, but yes, but yeah, right. So okay, I'm so, seasoned as well. You're seasoned, kidding. I know, right? You're a seasoned <laughs> podcast listener. Well, you've been in the medium. I mean, you know the language. Like I remember when you first when I put up a post, like in what was it, it was one of Eric's, uh, Eric um, Mars Facebook groups. Yeah, the Daily Whip about some of the stuff. You're like, oh my god, I know these people. I was like, really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so yes, sadly, yes. sadly, yes. So a bit of history of the podcaster, like just like as an entity. So people, generally speaking, did not start podcasting for money. This is back in the day, you know, when you had a microphone and RSS feed and you coded it yourself. Um, the bestsellers were primarily tech podcasts and bestsellers, just, I mean, you know. Which is what I listen to. <laughs> yeah, that's what I listen to as well. So when I say bestsellers, it just means the ones that were the most popular and the one that every, the ones that most people were listening to at that time. And when I say most people, it's probably just geeks, honestly, because <laughs> that was just early adopters and just geeks. Almost everyone knew each other's podcasts. So it wasn't like, you know, you just knew if you you were podcasting, somebody knew your podcast, you knew their podcast. You didn't necessarily listen, but you knew because you were it was just so small. Um, and there were maybe only a few uh, podcasts in each niche. So when I started, I was like the yoga girl. You know, that was like, <laughs> that was like how right. I was known. Because I was like w- like the only one that was podcasting about yoga at that point. Um, or that I was d- doing classes and stuff. The populars were a handful of um And the popular ones had scored possibly sponsorship and I'm doing air quotes here, because there was a lot of exchange of value. Do you know Don and Drew, Anne? I actually don't. I was looking and I'm like, do I know them? them? Yeah. So Don and Drew were one of the 
the old school superstar podcasters. These guys are like like punk rockers that like were living up like I don't even know if it was in the mountains or something. It was like they were the husband and wife <laughs> who were podcasting in basically their house and just about life. Like no, there wasn't like a concept of a show. It was just the Don and Drew show, and they they were huge. I mean, huge. It was like Keith and the girl and Don and Drew. And Keith and the girl were more like the comedian. Like they were a little bit more set in their careers and whatnot, and started to build through to be um, sort of comedians. Like it seemed more in a Containers, whereas Don and Drew were just people, and they remained. You have they have remained people, and have, they're, <laughs> they're still not else though, no. Just... There's I know right. <laughs> they're now into like over a thousand uh, podcast episodes, I believe. And wow. way at the beginning, they did start to make some money because they had uh, people send them products. And I remember the first time that I do you remember? And it's already gone. This company. Simple Shoes. Do you remember Simple Shoes? Yeah, okay. I do. I do, so actually. Simple Shoes, you know, went away, sadly, because they were an awesome company um, making these incredible, like, not leather shoes. They were very big, vegan shoes. They were totally, like, earth environmentally friendly and all this wonderful things. But sadly, they've, they've gone awry. But they sent um, Dawn some shoes for free and she talked about it on the show and when she talked about it on the show I was like oh my god I want to get myself some simple shoes and I bought myself a pair of simple shoes because of Dawn and wow. and it was just the exchange like they sent her free shoes and she talked about it she said simple sent me free shoes and they got all this like the and because she started to talk about products that people started to send products to them so I see that like you know how Instagram right now is all into especially for like the the health and fitness people, they're always mm -hmm. selling like fats and like coconut oil and ghee and cute yep. little yoga outfits. <laughs> yep. I well, there's a whole fashion thing. It's too a whole fashion thing. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like that. That's the way that it used to be at the beginning with podcast sponsors, if you will. It wasn't necessarily money exchange. It was stuff that was being sent and um, it was an easy way to kind of do it, but it doesn't really make your living. Yeah, and I think I even saw that honestly. Even because I watched, I watched and listened to video. They were video podcasts at the time. There were also yes. audio, so they would always do that for tech things. I know because I was, I was like, <gasps> there was like a Mac podcast that would always mention random little plugins that I had to immediately check out. Of and course, so yeah, and I and I have a feeling that that's how. The for the sponsors themselves or for the people who were having their stuff mentioned, that's how they figured out, oh, wow, there's something to this. I'm getting people coming to, you know, download my app because I was mentioned in this podcast. And, and I think that that conversation started to move through this because of that. So that was like the beginnings of that. And then, you know, some of the mainstream media uh, that went into podcasting did leverage their existing platforms and did have sponsors fairly on because they already had those relationships. Mm. Uh, and, and so it was a little bit easier. They already had the lingo. They already understood the, the whole trajectory of what needed to happen. And the others quietly, there's some of them that made some quiet money here and there that kind of grew. And they were from people who were podcasting for education, specific education stuff, particularly language podcasts, very early on started to monetize, not in the sense of sponsorship, but by offering like bonus content 
for their stuff. It was it. very conducive, as well as, I don't know if you've heard of Screencasts Online, mm-hmm. Don McAllister's screen, Screencast Online. He was like one of the first. He, I think he started selling his products in 2006. So he's been doing this for a while. It's now a very, very successful business for himself. And he started doing video podcasts that he did membership with. You know, he offered yep. like one or two for free. And then the other ones you have to be a member to, to get. Um, but it's all about how to use certain apps on your Mac. And so everybody kind of wants that. Sometimes you're like, how do yeah. I use GarageBand? Yeah. You know? <laughs> how do I do this? And he's got like these insanely awesome tutorials. And if you're just a member, you get them all. Every time there's a new upgrade, anytime he's like, he, he's the one that knows how to do that. So obviously. Am I mistaking this with, cause Jing, uh-huh. isn't that, isn't Jing screencasts? It's called something like that. Yeah, Jing, Jing is screencast. You are right. Um, but screencast. So he basically gives his l- library of Jings, kind of Jing videos or whatever well, he calls them. Well, no, he actually does. He hosts all his stuff on Libsyn. He's done that for a while. He's got this incredible. You you have to listen to to his workflow. It's crazy. And Mac Mac Power users, there was a, a screen uh, a whole workflow where he broke down how he uses everything. You would love it. And it's like your comp type of conversation. <laughs> I'm I mean, writing his name. Down I know because right he he uses like all these different apps to now you know make sure that his team knows what's going on because now it his team helps him do a lot of the video uh, post production. He still does all of the video production himself, and he's got a workflow all on on Podio. That's what he uses for his pro- project mm-hmm. management system, and they they do like he basically outputs. Um, all the different sizes for his videos for like uh, an iPhone, for an Apple TV, high definition, standard definition, for an iPad, like all of these things. You can wow. subscribe to every single one of those feeds. <laughs> wow. I know. Okay. That's I insane. know. It's insane. And he does one a week. It's pretty amazing. And now he has um, done it bigger where he's offering one for the Mac and one for iOS. So he does in-depth tutorials for iOS apps and workflows. It's pretty mind-blowing. So I have been a part of his premium membership since about 2006. Oh, my God. Isn't that insane? Because I That is awesome. And probably I will begin this year. <laughs> yes. And it's very, very, very affordable. And he's incredible. His community is huge. So anyway, so let's get back to driving yes, the I'm point sorry. home. No, no, no. No, but this is really great because the seasoned podcasters have a wealth of experience, obviously, building a fan base, sustaining passion and workflow and hacks and creating content, but not how to pitch or sell their podcasts. And even the, the things that I just mentioned before, there are very few, very few. In fact, I emailed Rob uh, Walsh, my co-host for the feed, and I asked him, I'm like, if you were to guesstimate how many podcasts are have sponsors on their show, what would the percentage be? And he said 5% tops. Wow. That's what he said to me. Just, just, you know, obviously this isn't in stone, like he didn't take out spreadsheets, but, you know, we have access to 150,000 podcasts. Um, and that's who, and so we work with a lot of podcasts that are leveraging some sponsorship in the way, and we're going to talk about this, the way that it's been here very soon, but he told me about 5%, wow. if, if that. That yeah. is actually amazing. It's not as much as you would think. Yeah, right? Because because it's, very, it's, it's hard stuff. It's hard stuff. And that's out of, yeah, a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> the way that it's been in terms of advertising sponsorship 
as of now in the industry standard, it's about numbers. And I, mm. and I mean download numbers. That's all that they care about. So for the standard in the industry, numbers equals money. And, and I, I promise that I will make this lighter for you guys later, but I'm just giving you the straight up truth. <laughs> I'm person. taking notes. Know, you guys aren't taking notes. I don't know what you're doing, but <laughs> take notes. This is not so, a driving the car one. Yeah. No, no. Right. So, and it's all about <laughs> CPM and CPM translates to cost per thousand. So that's the way this podcasting industry has worked, taking their cue from mainstream radio slash media. And that's the way the big boys are making their deals for the most part. And when I say the big boys, I mean like uh, Twit, uh, which is uh, This Week in Tech Network, who has been around for a long time. Again, that's a tech network. And he's got a network (laughs) of many different podcasts. And he has sponsorship from that model, which kind of he makes his money based upon how many people download his content. Uh, Podcast One, which is um, one of the larger companies that has has come into the scene and they host all of the celebrity type podcasts. So this is a network that uh, develops as well as kind of helps other. So these are big guys, like people who have names like Snooki. Mm I like the way how that one, the first one that popped out of my mouth. But um, so these guys, and they know, like, they're working towards driving the numbers. And they brokerage broker their deals based upon download numbers, selling the entire network. 5x5.tv, that's another network. And that network is, again, a tech network. So these guys are, and the Nerdist, all of these networks are leveraging mm-hmm. the totality of their network numbers to sell sponsorship as a whole. Uh, via CPM, which is the cost per thousand. And so cost per thousand means that for every 1,000 downloads of your podcast, you get a set amount of money. The average CPM is $25. That's the mm. average CPM. That's like industry standard. So um, it's, it, yeah, you can absolutely negotiate bigger CPMs, uh, larger numbers. You can. I have seen them. It, but it depends on, again, you, we're going to talk about all this later on too, as well, but it depends on your niche. It depends on how valuable your your audience is and all that stuff. Depending upon the, the, the more focused your niche, the higher your CPM can go. The more general your podcast, the more standard you will get for that. Uh, a lot of these, when I was talking about Don and Drew and Keith and the Girl, the industry that they got for sponsorship for them was the adult industry. So there was a lot of like um, Adam and Eve, a lot of Adam and Eve's uh, stuff going on. <laughs> They've been in the business for a long time and they're totally so they but they went into that because they knew that the audience was a younger audience, primarily male, and they were not a clean podcast. Right. So it's titillating. Who doesn't want Adam and Eve stuff from their catalog? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. So, (laughs) right. So in the podcast industry right now, it really is all about download numbers. Um, And... And, and again, we were gonna. We're, I'm gonna uh, put the light at the end of the tunnel here, but I'm just giving you the straight up in, information. So, Why could you hear me sighing over here? I like, know, right? Because you're like, oh, oh my god. So I guess yeah, I, I guess. Wait on this. I know. <laughs> but if you want to make the money, you got to get the numbers in this model. In this model, only this model. So basic sponsorship for like somebody could approach you if you have around twenty five thousand downloads per episode. 
So those are big numbers. That's like big. Those are big numbers. Looking oh, yeah. around to 100, you know, 100,000 downloads per month. Um, if you start to look about uh, looking at, at your entire uh, your entire uh, category of podcast there. So again, we talked about the average CPM is $25. So if you have 100,000 downloads per month, that's like $2,500 in your pocket. If it's if it's broken down to every thousand downloads you get, you get twenty five dollars, twenty five dollars. Right. So you just break it down and that's the way it goes. So obviously, the more money that I mean, the more downloads you have, the more money you're going to get. That's why there was that number from Gimlet Media from startup on Bloomberg said that his MailChimp uh, sponsorship was six thousand dollars. And that was guesstimating, I'm assuming, a CPM model and averaging it out to however, however many downloads he figured he was going to be getting for startup. So that's why it ended up, that's why it seems so big, right? It seems like, oh my mm-hmm. God, $6,000. Um, and so it, it's just averaged out with the, le- with the amount of downloads that you're getting if you have that CPM model. So obviously that's a great model if you're continuing to grow and if you've got big numbers and you have a big reach. So uh, not so good for us peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm like, yeah. but is that is so do you I mean, I don't even know. I'm like thinking of, uh, of course, Entrepreneur on Fire. Yes, yes. I mean, he obviously publishes every single day. Yes. He's got some serious numbers. Yes. So he must have serious numbers if because he's reporting his income monthly, yes, and his can, sponsorship income. Yes, absolutely. And he has gone on record. I believe um, there is a podcast round podcasters round table um there was a podcasters round table where they grilled him on his uh advertising money uh how he got his advertisers he even broke down the letter that he used to get his advertisers mm-hmm. and i believe he gets a, a little bit larger than 25 dollars. i be, I'm, I'm not sure please don't quote me on this i think it's 35 dollars cpm and but it's still a CPM model, so he's not getting like he he's not doing this. He's not making up. a deal where it's like, you know, monthly or something. Well, it's actually yeah, downloads. it's uh, yes, and so he can do. I I believe he he has made he makes deals based upon months because even in CPM you still sell let's say a quarter, you know, you sell a quarter, you know, your first quarter is still sold to a specific sponsor, but you're still paying out based upon CPM. You're not paying up based on straight up uh, money, at least in the industry. You, you know, you deliver like after the campaign's over every month, you take your spreadsheets, you see how many downloads there were, you send in an invoice and then they pay you. Got it. That kind of stuff. And so that's the way it works out for that. Um, So, Obviously, if you don't have, like, let's say you have 1,000 downloads a month, that's like $25 you just made. Woohoo! But, you know, <laughs> but when it comes to like trying. I think I'm up to like 50 or almost $60 a month. Oh, now, good. According to this model. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, not so bad, you know. right? Not so bad. <laughs> but it's like, and that's, but the, the, but the key comes with the negotiation, right? Because mm-hmm. it, I'm talking an average, which is $25 a month. And if you have, let's say, your fearless launchers and, and what it means to them to have a sponsor in your show for specific businesses, like I'm just thinking things like lead pages or something like mm-hmm. that, right? Where yeah. it's like these people, your teach, you know, you know your people. You know how valuable lead pages is. You know yeah. how you can sell that. So you could possibly negotiate a harder CPM for that or yeah. straight up, you know, um, paying for a month. So 
anyway, so that's that, that, the, and, and see, this is something else that people don't think about too, that there is, you have to prepare papers or data for your sponsors afterwards, unless you put that in the contract where they're not getting anything, where you just like, you know, you have your meeting and you say like, just give me a thousand dollars. I'll give just- you, I'll give you five episodes. And that's it. You know what I mean? I mean, you could do that in your contract, but you have to figure that out. And if not, and if your sponsors want some data, you need to have some admin time there added into the mix that you're going to have to supply numbers that they can understand. So... So they at least know, I mean, that, that actually helps them because Mm -hmm. then they know, okay, so and so many eyes potentially will click on that link or come to our site. And we, we need to know, like, we need to be able to track conversions too and, and see if it's going to continue being worth it for them. You know, so I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and Libsyn makes it really easy to do this kind of stuff. Like if you have the advanced stats, you can export data and have it delivered to your inbox via a CV. Yes. I mean, CSV file, CBS. Yep. Be of the drug company. <laughs> but, yeah. No, CSV yeah, file. So you can have that come in and you can very easily, you know, make it pretty or whatever to present it to your sponsors. So um, you have to think about that kind of setup that goes into the other. And, and we will think about other models and other ways to provide this stuff as we move through. So, yeah. um, but here's the thing. I don't like this model, like at all, like Zebro. <laughs> so my thing is like, it's time to debunk it, right? Because it's not volume, I don't think, equals impact nor sales. That's correct. Yep. So I, I don't feel that that's true. And this is what I feel about the CPM model, that the CPM model is disconnected from the industry because... They don't really know. You deliver stats, but you don't. But they don't understand the product. They don't understand you. They don't understand what you're doing. It's dated. It's been around for so long, and nobody's questioning it. It's like they're doing it because it's that's because that's what you've always done. And podcasting came about from a history of not doing things the way that they've always been done. So I think that it doesn't work. Uh, I mean, it works for what it does work for numbers, but not for the potential of what podcasting is. And it's disempowering from producer and advertisers because when you do that kind of stuff, you sometimes are, I can't say forced, but there are a lot of, of the people who are, or not people, sponsors that have been in the podcasting industry for a while. Like, let's say like Adam and Eve, like they, mm-hmm. they've been around for a long time. They're willing to gamble on podcasts via this model. But then what if you don't want Adam and Eve as your sponsor? Right. You know, it, what if it doesn't align? They don't, they, in all honesty, they don't really care. A lot of the time, they're just, they just want to have volume. They just want to, have, they just want to advertise in as many podcasts as possible. But, you know, you're like, uh, Adam, you know, it's really, yeah. Why would, why? If, unless you're an, an adult um, company. Oh, right. Adult, but then it makes sense. But usually, no. And as an advertiser, if you don't think about the audience that you're reaching, if you don't make a little bit more, it's with a CPM model, you're just getting data. You're just getting numbers. You're not getting anything else. Right, right. So, I don't know. So I don't know. I just see it like I, uh, as you were talking about it, I'm like, wow, you know, I never thought about this. This is really 
this is almost like a straight up broadcasting model. There are like there are some very right wing companies, let's say on TV, who do, who will not, you know, who will pull their advertising from shows that they don't support. Right. But like what you're just talking about, like the Adam and Eve, they might not care. Like, oh yeah, we'll we'll sponsor this um, completely anti yeah. <laughs> anti. Uh, I don't know, anti-sexual whatever yeah, totally. thing, and it doesn't matter. Um, so they're not even seeing the bigger picture of the podcast and how it fits in with the business and that there's value there, that there's additional – Yep. there's an additional opportunity there for them or yeah. not. Yeah. No, and it's true because what we used to get a lot of – and, and this, these are the conversations you get just from the sales department because you have to understand this is another thing that's happening. There are some people who are very good and have been in the industry for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like the podcast, uh, one, uh, gentleman who starts to sell the stuff, Rob Greenlee, who just started with podcast one. He lived, he worked for Microsoft for many, many years and he does a lot of that talking. He's been in the industry forever. And as well as Rob Walt, who's been in Lipson forever. And, you know, there, but there are other companies too, that have maybe hired sales teams. And we worked a little bit with a sales team as well. And it was a very, that the reason that I was hired at, at Lipson event uh, initially was in like a podcaster relations position. So my job was to be a liaison from the produ- from the advertisers to finding the perfect fit in the podcasters. But mm. the problem was that the advertisers had no idea about podcasting and the podcasters had no idea about the products that they were like it was like ra- it was the most random asks like Will you, um, hey, do you want to be a part of a campaign for Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights? Oh, okay. You know, it was like, you know, it was was just like, (laughs) oh, sure, sure. But, but it's, but it's a really hard sell because it doesn't have to really be, it does, it's not about your show. It's about, this is the advertiser that's coming right now. Hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and that was really tough. And then I know that when the sales teams would come in and then negotiate these deals, it was all based on numbers. Like there was no, there was no research on what the shows were. It was really, we just have to look at a spreadsheet and see how many shows got more than 2,500, you know. Yeah, pitch to those up. shows, the, yeah. those at the top of the list. Yeah, you know. that's it. There was Pitch the shows over this number or CPM, mm-hmm. whatever. That's it, exactly. And then clump mm-hmm. them together to make the number. So let's say they wanted to buy 100,000 100, downloads. We would have to look at our shows and clump together those shows so that we can come up with 100,000 downloads if we didn't have wow. a show that was like that. So then it became, like I said, all about numbers. And it really, for me, it diminished the value that some of these these podcasters could really offer like some key value propositions that they could have done. So I don't want to see that. So there, so here's, so we're going to go into how to leverage this now for yourself a little bit more. Good. I'm ready. I'm ready. So before you start, so this is like, these are my thoughts observing the industry for a while. And I'm going to kind of give my, you know, my, how do you say it? Like with a, with a little bit of a yoga perspective and my geek perspective, which is what I call my yogi perspective <laughs> from all of this stuff, from, from seeing all of these things. So one of the reasons that I find that podcasting and the value is a little bit more challenging to offer or to sell is because people can't see you 
right? Like mm-hmm. if you have a website, you can make the colors do certain things. You can have graphics that are awesome. You can optimize. You know how people do all those studies about the color of buttons that, you know, you press oh, the right. button if it's like this. Like you can't do that on your podcast. <laughs> you, you know, you can have it's like a... Just- it's just, it's, it's only about one thing. <laughs> exactly. It's basically your voice. And I, yeah, you can have music and stuff like that to make things slightly prettier, but all in all, it's you, it's your voice. It's what you present and it's your content. So y- that's about it. So that's like the number one. The, so here's what I feel is the essential to getting yourself a sponsor or having this as a foundation, because then you're going to blow into this and and really negotiate some creative deals for yourself is that first you have to really offer crazy valuable content. Number two, you have to have an engaged fan base. And number three, you have to have massive sales chops or somebody around you that has those chops. (laughs) And sometimes that's easier if you're saying like someone who basically can sell you Mm -hmm. and hopefully it's you. But if you can't sell yourself, that's fine. Just find someone else who can actually totally, do it. Totally. She is rock solid. <laughs> <laughs> you need to you need to pay her millions and zillions. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, but I'm just now now I'm like, oh gosh, what did I take on for this year? Okay. Okay, see so, no, no, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. So, okay, so crazy valuable content. When I say that, he, this is how I'm going to define it because I do know that there are a lot of people who have um you know, great content and you're, you're like, what? And I'm not going to get super, super specific to, to like what kind of content. I'm just going to give you like a heads up because this is going to play later on. So you know your stuff. You know what you're podcasting about. That's always good. And or have a great passion for it. So you're willing to learn about it. Um, so, you know, you get more knowledge, more experience just because you love to get more knowledge and more experience. You know yourself very well and have just, you know, a really strong point of view. You have worldview experience. You've got a flavor, a flavor, and bland is not you. That's <laughs> Un- good. Unless, of course, bland totally rocks your world because that's a strong opinion. You see? You see how I did that? Because yeah. it's like, well, my daughter doesn't eat anything that's got spices in it. So you always think that you need spices to spice up your stuff, but you don't. Sometimes. You just have to be truly you. Ex- yes, exactly. Isn't that However annoying and bland that is. I know, exactly, totally. (laughs) Um, And you have to be curious and open as a value so that you, you know, you you do your best uh, to stay curious and continue to change your mind if necessary so you don't get so staunch on on your stuff. And (laughs) I know, and you already said this, so crazy valuable content comes from an indomitable commitment to continue to become experts of being ourselves. That's it. So Mm. whatever that is, and I know that that's where like the cheesy aspect of it was like, oh, my God, I have to be me. Just be me. Yeah, you do, especially behind the mic. So the minute you start to put layers on that, it kind of diminishes what you're selling there. And if yeah. you put layers on there, it's really hard to sell because you feel like you're not being you. I don't know how to put it in another way. It's like really hard to do that, especially when you're faking it. Well, can I just say that yes. during, especially during the first year, and since I'm just now one year in, I'm very excited about that. But like Woo-hoo. now that I'm just one year in, I've noticed that uh, you're still kind of finding out who you are. 
in a lot of ways. And uh, if you're not super confident and just like whatevs, people making comments of any kind will affect your ability to be you. And you might just, you know, you almost have to just say, oh, I'm going to just do this and I don't even care. You just have to say, I don't care. This is what I want to talk about. This matters to the people and the people that are listening and that one comment. So you have to kind of filter out the other com- com- comments in order to get to this valuable place because you're not being valuable if you're just a, a reed blowing in the wind when people want to – I'm like, I don't know what that came in my head for. But um, yeah. but I just know that from from just one comment this year, I kind of veered – off my path a little, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of being yeah. me. Yeah. So this is a hard one. This is actually really hard. It's totally hard. And I think you hit the nail on the head here. And, you know, it's isn't it funny how uh, comments like that, like just one comment can totally, it just will break your heart. Now, I mean, you know, to put it in a visceral way where you kind of like you are pushed off your game and you're like, oh, maybe I should do that. Or maybe I shouldn't do that. Or maybe. And that's why I'm going back again to the the whole season podcaster business where you have to continue and do and do and do and do again because then you will really have the knowledge of what you need to do for your podcast or who you are or in, in mm-hmm. your podcast. So I'm okay with people selling their stuff right from the get-go. I'm okay with that. It's not like I'm judging that when people launch a podcast and then they're looking for sponsors. But I do put that a caveat to that to in saying that, oh my gosh, maybe you need a little bit longer so that you can then understand who you are and how you're going to sell this. Well, because likely something is going to change about how, you know, it. you can't help but not really be a truly formed, <laughs> I don't know, voice until you've been doing it for a while. You know what I mean? Yep. No, yeah. It totally makes absolutely – It's the same thing with your business. I mean I actually – I'm okay with people selling right off the bat, especially because I feel like some people I'm like, dang, you know who you are. Yeah. But I didn't and I I just know that for me – and of course, I actually embrace that it's always a process and I could decide to totally change things up uh, this year if I wanted to. Yep. You know? And that's part of me though. I'm okay changing things up. <laughs> I think that a lot of us are okay with changing things up. And you're right. There are some people who totally know who they are and they can go for it, right? But I know from – I'm in the same boat as you. You know, I've seen all this stuff. And one of the reasons that I've not sold sponsorship for some of my prior work is because I thought like, what? Why? Like I wasn't – I didn't have that feeling in my belly. Like – I had people tell me all the time, oh, you should sell, you know, because you, I do have a bunch of downloads for Elsie's yoga class. I could have a sponsorship for an SCPM model and I could have like passive income coming towards me. I know. But I don't feel like, I just don't feel it like I, like I can sell it because I don't believe, believe in it as a sales thing. Mm, yeah. it's, it's just, it's my yoga podcast. <laughs> I don't want to sell it, right? Yeah. It's like, that's what it is. And even though people are, I was swayed by that. I was swayed like, oh my God, I do have the download numbers. I could say, I do have all this value that I could, I can't, this is a great thing. Why am I not doing it? And then I made myself feel really bad about it, but I still didn't sell it because I, I didn't feel comfortable selling it. Yeah. It's, it's not a thing I want to sell. 
But it might become something at some point. I, exactly. But and exactly. you're open to that. I'm but like totally right open. now, it doesn't feel like something you want to sell. Yeah, absolutely. So in when and I feel like I'm not I'm not adding any value to it. So I feel sort of like I'm cheating people because it's like sitting. You know what I mean? I'm like I, don't, I know. Didn't you? I remember like a few weeks ago, or maybe it was last month. Sometime you shared some of the the stats and yeah. you haven't have you even updated it i want to no. say no <laughs> no it's been over a year now i haven't put out a new episode and i'm still getting like a lot of downloads a day so it's insane <laughs> but anyway but um so dang. i know dang but and, okay so now let's move to the second thing an engaged audience an engaged audience and a, and, and a definition of engagement uh not all of this that i'm going to mention is necessary emails from your listeners Comments on your blog and social media about your podcast. (laughs) People are sharing your content. Uh, You've got some kind of community hub, something, somewhere, either a Facebook group or a page or any other little kind of something, something that's yours and people can hang out there. It doesn't even have to be like it could be a Reddit, you know, something on Reddit, something like that. Um, Are you using Reddit? I don't know. Okay. No, it's like that's yeah, no. They respond to your questions, you know, people You're like yeah, no. No, no. <laughs> uh and people tend to buy what you have or ask you about the stuff that you use. So this happens to me all the time. Like people are always like, "Where'd you get that necklace?" How mm. why, you know, why you wh- what is that me- like I and on Instagram, I it's cra- it cracks me up. Sometimes I have people like it's a it's a selfie. It's like my face. And then I have somebody go like, "What's that in the background?" Is that oh a, and I'm like, what are you looking at? You're supposed to be looking at my face. And it's, it, you know what I mean? There's like, people have always done that to me. So I know that I could sell these things because where'd you get that top? Where, you know, what's the tool that you're using? What's the microphone that you have? Like all the time people ask me that. So, and they go and get them, you know, <laughs> it's like, my gosh, I've been actually doing that lately when I see pictures. I'm like, if I click on it and I don't get like a link to somehow like a little tag to where it's from, I yeah. get really annoyed. I know. Well, it's I like asked I'm you. shopping constantly. Yeah, totally. I well, asked you. You did something. I did. You. What, what is it that you showed the other day? Was it that? It's l- the sparkly little um, <gasps> Oh my case gosh. Yeah, that was that sparkly case. That I, I use for my Filofax, which I've been freaking out for but anyways that's another thing that yes see i'm shopping constantly well see this is what i'm saying so you've got a fan base you see that Anne? so look at me i look at you so so essentially all of this engagement stuff is that you're making impact you're making impact somewhere somehow you you can have people you know engaged in some way with you so your people are listening and they're taking action with you Consistently. So that's the other aspect. The consistency aspect has to come into play here too. And your voice resonates with in their world. And that's something Mm -hmm. that you get a lot. I don't know. I don't know if you've gotten this comment before, but I have myself constantly get people, you're in my, in my brain. I hear your voice all the time. Yeah. When I get that, I'm like, yeah, I know, because I listened to something you said, and that's why I wrote this. (laughs) Is this about me? I know. (laughs) No. No. No, but um, no. No, but I actually have no, when I'm talking, well, that, and this is the other aspect, you are actually in their head saying things to them. Mm -hmm. Like as a yoga teacher, that happens to me a lot. Like a lot of my students will call, will say like, I hear you telling me to do X, Y, and Z, you know, in the, in the pose or like one of my private clients, he tells me, he hears me saying to him things all day long when he's about to do something he's not supposed to. (laughs) 
So like, you know, that's power. That's impact. That's interesting. Yeah, I get some people saying things, things that I've kind of harped on in Fearless Launching. People definitely say, I I can't forget this every time. It's a CBB, right, Anne? This is a burnt pancake, right, Anne? Yes. Yes, Anne. Yes, that's what it is. That's what it is. Well, but that's but you you guys have this though. If you look at the She Podcast, you got everything here. You got the community. You've got people engaging. All those people who gave their all of the members of the group who gave their feedback about you know their advice to podcasters and what they're using. I love that. That's proof right there. Yes, exactly. And that's going to come later on here. So here's the thing. So this is my like uh, formula engagement plus intimacy, which is you being yourself because you're letting them into you. That's intimate stuff there, yo. Mm. That equals perfect partner results. And I'm not talking getting sponsorship. I'm talking the results after you book your thing, you, you sell your deal with your sponsors, they're going to get results because ultimately that's what we want. That doesn't happen with the CPM model because... There's a lot of leverage right now in terms of numbers. There's a lot of people that are kind of being possibly not so truthful, not about their numbers. Their numbers are right, but they are employing tactics because you can in almost any industry to get more download numbers as opposed to listeners listening to your stuff Mm. so that their numbers are highly inflated but their level of impact for their community and their number of listeners and subscribers is very low. But you can't, you, like, what they're good at is selling the numbers. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. And it so does. what happens is when these people start selling these numbers without the audience, that means that the sponsors that are sponsoring them are not going to get the results, which means that those sponsors are going to not want to take a chance on podcasts anymore. Right. Right? And so that's nasty, and that's not good, and that's not what we want. And that's why I want you to think about how will it benefit and how will you get results for that sponsor, Mm. you know, as as a number one thing, you know, because it's a mutual exchange. So they will get that. You won't have to work so hard if you've got all this other stuff already in place. Right. I'm, I'm again thinking about uh, Entrepreneur on Fire because yep. he's definitely got a really engaged audience. But and I'm I'm part of that audience too, but I don't listen to the episodes. I'll admit it. Yeah. I've only listened to a handful of them. I'm I'm subscribed to the podcast, but I don't listen. But he has the good thing. I think he's now. It seems like he's trying to mix the two. Mm-hmm. So he's got an engaged community. He definitely is himself, um, and. You know, so he, I feel like he's trying to mix that in, which I think oh, is yeah. great. Totally. And, and his numbers, and, 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 and full disclosure, his numbers are straight up. Like, his numbers yeah. are straight up. Like, there's no finagling those numbers. That, like, he's got that yeah. fan base. And he's got a strong fan base. And like I said, like, you know, people, I'm sure he has people asking him where he got that shirt or where Kate got that shirt or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> or, or, or what mic are you using? That's, I mean, Give me a break. The poor guy is going to be selling Audio Technica 2100s. He, he might as well have Audio Technica be his sponsor. Like, I don't understand right. why that's not the case because yeah. he's selling gobs and gobs of those things. <laughs> so, um, you, you know, that, that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. So, that's your golden ticket the impact you make and the collective action from your audience 
will get you the perfect sponsor partner results. Mm, so okay. that's it. So it, it, basically mixing up the impact and I'm sorry, the content and the engagement from your audience. And that's what you have to build. And we were talking about that generally takes time to do. So um, now why this is important for creating good content. So you being you and creating good content is, and the communication and engagement with your audience gives you firsthand knowledge so that you know what their sense of humor is, you know what their routines and life choices are, you know how they move in the world when they listen to you. And it's not, you're not going to get this from data. You're not going to, nobody's going to do this for you. You'll get it because you either teach them how to do it. Like, all right, so in, um, for, for She Podcasts, we put our podcast out on Mondays, mornings. Mm-hmm. And some of our ladies have, you know, put their routine where they listen to our podcast on Monday morning. Like, that's part of the deal. They're, it's not like they are podcast listeners on Monday morning. Oh, my God, I have to now publish my episode on Monday mornings because that's when female entrepreneurs are listening to their podcasts. You know what I mean? It's like we taught you. We just randomly chose that day. It's not like right. It's not like we were like totally strategic about it. We just thought like that's a good day. (laughs) So, so we have in some way are now part of your lives in the way that you move in the world. Maybe you don't listen on Monday mornings. Maybe it's on Thursday when you go to the gym and you work out, and that's when you listen to the latest episode or whatever. But at some point, that information comes out with the engagement with us. We get emails. I was listening to you while I was at the grocery store, and this happened. Oh, okay, so they're listening to us when they're shopping, right? Yeah. So all, there's all of this different stuff that comes into play, and these are the things that are super important so that you can then sell your podcast. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, all of this is actually very basic yeah. customer and audience knowledge that you need anyway mm-hmm. to sell anything. Yep. Totally. So, yeah. And, and, and I think that there's a lot of, for whatever reason, we think that, oh, well, it's podcasting, then you have to have numbers and you have to sell it like this. And no, it's all the same. You just have to do the work. (laughs) 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 And so now we get to number three, which is why I put it in here. It's massive sales chops because some of us have not really sold anything ever. And or we're not comfortable selling it or we're just trying to understand what that even means. And so we get into this and this is how I see it. You could see it as a trifecta, meaning the content plus engagement plus sales will get you a sponsor or and I put this like on as a number two, the only thing you need, because (laughs) if you're really good at sales, you'll sell it like Mm -hmm. you'll just sell it. Yeah, (sighs) I know. Did you have you watched The Wolf of of Wall Street? I have not. Well, <laughs> I, I have not. I'm but- that's not like a thing that I would ever like watch really, but I was in a, in a, it just doesn't never call my attention. But I was, you know, it was Christmas t- holiday time and I thought like, oh, I'll just watch a movie and it was on Netflix. It had just been there and I just yep. thought like I'll start watching. And I I never finished watching it because it was kind of a little bit too disturbing to my value system as a whole, but <laughs> I was really really impressed by this guy's ability to sell. Because he he was so good at sales. And I don't know what the, the I'm not going to really get into the story of the Wolf of Wall, of Wall Street, but basically he was just really good at selling things that were lies. <laughs> At yeah. the gist of it. And he made a lot of money. And of course, you know, it was not, it was like he was a, he's a criminal. 
But I was really in awe of his ability. And then this, the interesting part is that he hired, when he opened his first firm, he worked in the stock market, he hired not stockbrokers and things that people who had been, you know, studying this forever, but he, he hired um, pot dealers and people who were selling steroids on the street and stuff like that because those, they were good salesmen. Yes, yes. Oh my God. And so then he taught them, he taught, he just increased and added on those skills. And just shifted it to selling stocks. And it was brilliant, you know? I mean, really nasty, but brilliant. And so that's why I was thinking, started thinking, in all honesty, your podcast can be really awful. And you really could be a liar. <laughs> but yeah. if you're a really good salesperson, I'm sure you can get a sponsor. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. That's, and, oh, that's so crazy. I know. And it makes me sad to say that, but that's true. So it's like, obviously, that's why I wanted to really focus on the value and who you are and your audience, because that's going to keep, keep us in, in an authentic, truth, truthful, happy place instead of having the other aspect of it. These are tools, you know, have, being a salesperson is, is an art form and some of us have it and some of us don't, but it doesn't mean that you can't get it like anything else. So, yeah. So I have a little... Oh, I need I, that. I need I, sales chops. Yes, me too. <laughs> me too, believe me. So here's the thing. You have killer content, you have a rabid audience, and you have a fear of selling. <laughs> Yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> You're not going to sell a sponsorship. It doesn't matter how amazing your stuff is. You won't make the kind of money that is worth, that's worth it to you or worth of your work. And you won't close the sponsorship advertising deals or you won't close the deals with the kind of value exchange that you were looking for in the first place. So, yeah, sales are scary and all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, sales are scary. You know, there's a lot of stigma yes, or something yes, that people hold totally. towards, you know, selling things. So, yep. yeah. Absolutely. And that's why I kept thinking about, or I keep bringing you back to your content is amazing. You, you know yourself, you know your point of view, you know what you stand for, you know the kind of content you want to put into the world. You've done all that, you understand it, and you stand for something because that's another thing. It's like, I remember even with Elsie's yoga class when I was only producing that show, I did get sponsors, uh, not a sponsors approach me directly, but Libsyn. I was even working at Libsyn and I was approached by Libsyn <laughs> to have a sponsor on my show. And I was like, I don't want them because they're not, that's not what my audience wants. I'm not going to put them on my show. Right. And, you know, it's like, and so I was, I'm not going to just do it because they pushed me to it. I was actually, I was in the company working for them and said, no. So you can do that. You can stand, your thing is valuable. So, you know, and you won't be discouraged or dissuaded super easily when you start to sell your content because of all the no's you're going to get, because you're going to get them. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I know that, I mean, I mean, I'm just thinking myself of, of people that, and random people who have wanted to, I don't know, get some sort of placement on the Fearless Launching Show. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, have you even read anything about the show or have you yeah. even listened? Because <laughs> their, e their message is so, their email to me is so random. And when I actually looked, because I actually looked at who they were and what they were, what they, who they were in the world. And I'm like, there's no way. And yeah. if they had even taken a moment then to look and see what I'm about, then they would never have emailed me. Yeah. 
Right. Plus, I'm just a beginner. (laughs) Right. No, but still, but isn't that, it's just so interesting how that Uh comes into play. So, and then that way you also know the value. um, Okay. So if you don't really think about the value that you bring, because your content's so awesome. I'm not even talking that you have to sit there and say like, this is the value I bring my audience. No, just because you know yourself so well. If you don't know that, like off the tip of your tongue, when you're having that conversation with advertisers or sponsors, past the initial emails, because we can all write great copy. Mm-hmm. I know that we can all do it. We can write well copy that that's going to get the second email. I, I'm sure that right. we can. But once you get on the phone, <laughs> you know, like um, they can smell it if you can't, if you're not backing your own stuff up, right? Yeah. They can smell yeah. it. And so if you can't just be like so super passionate about it, the way that you speak about somebody else's content. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> if you can't be as passionate as you are on your actual show, talking about your passionate, you know, your yeah. whatever that, what, whatever it is that you're talking about, then yep. I can, I mean, it's the same thing with, again, like when you're launching something, people can tell if you're not really into it or don't think you're good enough almost. Yeah, totally. So. You can sense it. You can feel, mm-hmm. you can feel it even if you're saying and doing the right things. So that I want you guys to put this in your heads. Even if you're saying and doing the right things, it's yeah. not going to, it's not going to pan out the way that you want it to. So basically you need to start studying. <laughs> like whatever it is that you need that you feel that you're like something that was like, oh, I need to learn a little bit more about that. Then do that or just get really clear about what you're putting out into the world because then it could be just a normal conversation you have with somebody because you automatically know, oh my God, that person is perfect for my show or that product would be genius for my show. Like it just makes sense. And so then you can call them or email them and say like, dude, (laughs) yeah, I know you got it. You got it. And there's all kinds of creative ways to do it. Okay. We'll do this guys. I'll give you like two episodes of no pay or whatever, you know, no, like we're just going to, we're going to just do this because I believe in you so much. You know, you could, Mm cause you don't even have to have sales know how because you're so wound up about them. So, um, and then you can, you know, make your, your stuff come up. So, well, I know somebody who was starting a podcast. She ended up not even launching it ever, but beforehand as part of her development process, she knew that what she was going to offer was so valuable. She was hooking up sponsors before it was even airing. Oh my God. And I'm like, whoa, girl. Yeah. yeah I, I was like, dang, that is really like, I'm not, I wasn't there yet even thinking about it. Um, But anyway, so, but yeah, I think start studying. Now that you've been saying all this about sales, I feel like that's probably like an overall business skill that we all need. Yeah, I believe and, so. I believe you, know, you can always get better at that stuff. And and sometimes um, studying sales might be just you getting used to telling people who have no idea about podcasts what you're doing. Yep. You know, like yep. even today, just recording this. My, I mean, I have to get, I have to be, get so comfortable that I can share with my mother-in-law who is not online, like about what I'm doing mm-hmm. so that she can maybe get excited about it. If you can get someone excited about it who doesn't even know the world, then I don't know. I think there's something about just presenting your work and what you do for people. Yep. I completely agree. Yep. It's just a level of comfort. And even if, you know, even if you don't believe it every single day, if you kind of innately know, like, yeah. 
I have something of value here. What I here's what I'm doing for people. Here's what you know, and think about those key people that have emailed you and that have engaged with you, and think even if it's just one or two people, you're like, I know what I give to them, and think about well, here's what I do. Here's what my show does, and think about what those people got out of your show. Totally. Yep. No, that's that. You're so. you're so right about that, and and then it also keeps the stigma of. Well, maybe or pigeonholing you to podcasts. What that it's about a podcast that you're selling a mm-hmm. podcast because because yeah, that word is a little bit like mm, like you have to explain a little bit more. Not as much anymore. But if you can get used to letting it go and just explaining your work and what you yeah. do and how you do it, it's going to be so much easier. Because then when you when somebody does know about podcasting, oh my god, it's like so much easier <laughs> as a whole to right. be able to share it. Right. And I think that what you, you've been saying about like the valuable content and, and like the, the whole CPM model versus the value model. Yeah. I think that if people can feel like, you know, if let's say I was talking to someone and I would just, I wouldn't want to talk to them about the Fearless Launching show. I would want to talk to them about what I want to create with the Fearless Launching community as a yeah. whole. Yes. And the different pieces of, you know, the different media that I might want to create that will benefit that community because Someone's not going to necessarily, like you said, there are people who won't get what is a podcast. How can I be involved in that? But usually if it's a more universal, I don't know, if it's a more universal thing that you're trying to achieve, something that you're trying to share with a group of people, and you're just, these are just the tools that you're using. You're using a podcast. You might be writing a book. You might have a, you know, a course, whatever the, whatever your things are, um, that they can maybe jump on board with those things. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Is, I, you know, I, you just need it, more. Yeah, totally. More language, more mm-hmm. ways of describing. Yesterday I opened my I opened my first business account. So ah. I was at the bank and it was so funny because a woman's like, okay, so what's your business? And I was like, holy cow. You're like, so then we- I was like, digital media. <laughs> I basically said digital media marketing. I market, you know, I, I market digital media primarily with audio. You know, audio is my focus, audio stories and podcasting and stuff like that. And she was like, okay. <laughs> she had yeah. no idea what I said. And I realized, oh my gosh, she doesn't even know what digital media is. You know, like there's yeah. so many other ways to do it. And so when she said like, so what's like the bigger, like if I were to pigeonhole you, what category would I put you in? And she was like consulting. And I was like, sure, that's it. <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> yes, fine. Yes, fine. Cause it's like, well, what am I going to, you know? And so yeah. it's interesting cause we do, we have to find all these different ways of, of sharing what we do in different words. Cause what am I going to yeah. say? I'm a podcaster. Like that's just not even in a category. <laughs> No, like what I was telling you about my mother-in-law, though, is I had to tell her, I was like, ah, oh, you know, Misha, by the way, my father-in-law did not come over today yet. Oh, okay. uh, I, right. And I said, you know what? Your window is gone. You're going to have to wait till I'm done recording because okay. I won't be able to let you in and have that horrible doorbell ring halfway. <laughs> um, anyways, that's a whole other story. But regardless, I told her that I was recording a show. Um, and she's like, what channel? <laughs> I'm like, oh, honey. Yeah. Um, but it's but it's okay because it's you know but I realize that too that you know maybe it's my job to educate her on what I do yeah so that she can see the value because right now I get annoyed when people don't see the value but how could they I'm not really sharing the whole big picture exactly it's our it's but our she duty. understands yep she understands they're entrepreneurs they have businesses and if I were to say you know I'm helping uh, startups small business owners 
start businesses online primarily, and then she would get it. Then she would understand what that means, Mm -hmm. you know? And if I told her, see, there are these things that you can listen to on the internet, and they're kind of like radio shows, and I do those. I record one of those for the same community, then she might get that a little bit more. Yep. And it's, I could actually interview her and then she would really get it. Yeah. See that, that's real. That's perfect. It's perfect because then you, you, it's up to us to start to do that teaching and we have to teach the people how to, what to say about us, what right. to say about like, what's the key thing that she's about. And we need to sprinkle that in our stuff so that it, it's a through line, right? It's something that yeah. you continue to put out there, but it's up to us to do it. Nobody's going to look and, and, and do it. Nobody's going to do it other than us. But, you know, I have to tell you one thing before. Yeah. <laughs> when you were talking about sales, like, yes. and, you know, that skill, mm-hmm. I have like, I had like a running joke with myself, which is really sad, but I had a running joke with myself during my last <laughs> launch that I'm like, I'm going to see how many people I can tell this is that fearless launching is not right for them and see if I can beat my record from last time that those same people then buy. And I'm not kidding you. I felt like that was my only sales strategy. Oh my gosh. Was to look at what, like I would really take a look at someone and be like, wow, they're really, you know, they really don't need this. And I would, I would record them a little audio and reply to their email that way and just say, look, I just want you to know that fearless launching is this, as in this, you may not need this, but the community is great. And just say, basically, you don't need this. Yeah. And so many people just turned around and enrolled. I was like, okay, well, that wasn't, I wasn't trying to make that my strategy, but I think people appreciate it when you kind of put yourself off, like, look, you might not need this. Yeah. Um, and, and I do think that, you know, we were talking before about, uh, all of the, the, the sponsors and things like that that actually make sense for your bigger business and your vision and, and the content that you're creating. Like, so for me, like lead pages, there are certain companies that, that I could go to that make sense that my people are already using those tools. Mm-hmm. And there are certain entrepreneurs in my group that need some more outlets mm-hmm. to share what they're doing. Yep. I can go there as well. Yep. And I don't know if you meant to go into that right now, but like I just wanted to share like that's yes. where my head is going like, okay, who else needs a spotlight on that? Exactly. And I love that frame. I love the way you did that. Who else needs a spotlight? That's fantastic. And so, you know what? I'm going to finish up because we're almost, we're finishing off yeah. here with the questions that some of our ladies uh, asked. And I kind of want to address some of these. And some of these may have already been answered uh, because of what I talked about. But Erica asked, she wants to know, what's the better way to approach a sponsor when you have a smallish podcast but are confident that your audience is their target audience? So we've been talking, we kind of like been talking about this stuff. And and this is really when the engaged audience comes into play, right? And mm-hmm. we were, again, talking about yourself, the value that you bring. You have to have that straight up. And I know that Erica has a beauty uh, a beauty blog uh, I mean, blog cast, vlog cast. I don't know what you call it, Erica, but it's really cool. It's like she interviews um, fashion, the fashion YouTubers, you know, the famous YouTubers. Yes. And yes. She, she interviews them. Isn't that oh, that's neat? cool. I know. Yeah, that's really so cool. Th- that's a total specific thing, right? So then <clears throat> this is like when I was talking about for She Podcast on the episode 31, where we had all of you guys send like like all of these pieces of feedback, I would say 70% of the ladies all use blue microphones. 
you know, like the, ah. blue, the blue Yeti, yes, the Yeti Pro, the, you know, there's, uh, there's all every single kind, Nessie and this other, and the blue, the other small blue one, like there's every single one of them. I could cut basically all of that feedback and pitch blue microphones about that. Our community is already doing this. Our community right. is using your product. That's right. Oh my That's God, right. why don't you sponsor us? You know what I mean? We, I could do, but, but you have to g- have it happen from there. We are smallish, but I, uh, smallish numbers. Like we don't have massive numbers by any means. And, but it's very specific. And everybody keeps asking us, what microphone do you get? How many times a week do we get that question come up on the She Fought podcast page? Because that, it's, it's growing, you know? Yeah. There's always more people. Especially like, if you don't use the search function in the group. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's <laughs> for true. Past, exactly. For past discussions for past about my, said topic. Yes, exactly, right? <laughs> and so, but it's really tough. And so how easy would it be to just straight up be, um, you know, sponsored by Blue Microphones? And they're good. Like, I love yeah. Blue Microphones. I, yeah. I think they have any, everything for everyone. So what you're asking there is like how to approach a sponsor like that. Like that's the way I would do it. I would cut, splice little bits and pieces of our community's voices and send a pitch to them, you know, just like totally do it that way and yeah. not really start talking numbers. I would talk more about community engagement. I would talk more about the audience, the numbers in my Facebook group, which is why I'm talking about you have to have that part of the equation before you start to do the sponsorship model there. Um, meaning that we have all the other things that, that I talked about before so that I can answer their questions that they have without me going like, oh, yeah, we only have <clears throat> this number of downloads, right? I'm not, I'm not going to be ashamed of that. I'm going to be, how amazing is it that there's all of these women podcasters that are using blue mics? Right. right. No, I so, love that. That's a great that's a great way to get creative is to either, you know, you can even ask these questions on social media. You didn't even have yeah. to get that feedback in audio. You could easily just ask in your Facebook groups, you know, assuming that you have one or ask on your Facebook page what, you know, hey, do you guys use lead pages or whatever? Do you yeah. guys use blue microphones? What microphone do you do you like the best? And then screen it screenshot it. You know, mm-hmm. make it pretty. Yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah. It's 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 a ways in which you can package information that seems mundane to be able to offer it up in in that way for for sponsors and and for people who like Anne said you can cast a spotlight on because it's to me it'd be easier and so much easier for me not to have to tell people what microphone to get and just be like just go to blue mics you know what I mean it's like that's that's perfect so you have to be creative and I was thinking local too because I was uh, working uh, with somebody the other day and um, we've been going back and forth and I know he's having a very 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 hard time also in terms of sponsorship because like everything it's really hard to do this and he was I was like you his content is stellar the kind of stuff that he's working he's, a, he's he's in the health health and fitness uh, genre it's the, it's unique it's an amazing amazing um, little podcast which I adore and he was just like I don't know who to sell this to and I was like dude you're in LA <laughs> Go knock on your next door neighbor. Like, I'm sure you've got, like, you know, you, I know you have, like, there's so many people who are selling health and fitness products in LA, for God's sake. Seriously. Um, seriously. So he did, he got himself a sponsor. Oh, that's awesome. I pushed him to awesome. it, you know, and it was so good. And he was just, like, all tentative. And I think a lot of us just need, like, the basics. 
mm-hmm. and just do it. So I'm, I'm putting think local here as an answer because sometimes you just have to get out of your comfort zone and just straight up go talk to somebody yep. around where you are. Listen, also, I'm going to give you an example that I kind of, when I was dumpster diving to find out what sponsors <laughs> he started with, because that's what I do. I like dumpster dive. I'm like, I'm going to find out what, what someone used before. Yeah. But when uh, David Seitman Garland had his video show, um, I think he might have made it a podcast and put it on iTunes or whatever as well. But his, one of his first sponsors was like a local car wash. That just supported what he was doing. Fantastic. And he would just go there. That's where he went to get his own car washed. Yep. Yep, yep. So. You know what? That's somebody that um, Allison Sheridan from the Nosilicast podcast. And it's there. I, I think that they didn't start to be a, a sponsor. And I think that I'm not sure if, what the exchange is in terms of value. But um, she also lives in, she lives in, I believe, oh my gosh, I'm not sure. I, I'm going to mess this up. But I think like an Irvine-ish kind of area there um, in Southern California, most Orange definitely. County, kind of. Orange County-ish. It's- yeah. But SoCal. And um, she has like a local um, guy that fixes her car. And she was talking about on her podcast so much that he ended up having a segment on the show. Like it was the segment of this guy because they took him, you know, the car <laughs> to, to get fixed awesome. again. And all of a sudden he ended up being like an actual like sponsor of types there. And yeah. his, her, she's been podcasting for many years now, too. So her audience knows that guy. And so now every time anybody goes to Southern California and they need their car fixed, they go to him. That is awesome. Isn't that neat? And, and that and, to him means something because absolutely. he is he is a he is a small business as well. Yes. And what the funny part is is that the Nosilicast is a tech podcast. Like it has nothing to do with cars. <laughs> it has nothing to do with anything. As it's like the most <sighs> disparate like partnership. But she really loves his work and has been yeah. taking care of their cars for years. And she just wants to support him. So how cool is that? That is awesome. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Actually, that just gave me like a few ideas. Yeah. So now let's move to the second uh, part of that question it says, who would be the best person to approach in an organization? What their role is? So I'm just thinking, think about like straight up, if it's a small business, the owner. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> or, you know, in larger stuff like PR, marketing, social media, and even the support team, make friends. It's always a really wonderful thing to do. Just start to let yourself be known by them and, you know, share if you share their stuff tag them on Facebook. It's very simple, very simple things. Um, I feel that if you kind of do like a blanket spread of outreach would probably be better because then if the support team knows you, oh yeah, it's that Erica girl. (laughs) Oh yeah, Yeah. it's that girl that I saw on Twitter from the marketing team. Oh, if it's like, and people will get to know your name. And so that'll be a little bit easier for you to really meet the right person. Sometimes it's just asking you know, you might know someone there like I did at Rike, which we're still working on that. But Rike is like a project management tool that I used a lot when I was working um, with LKR Social Media. But we, I was in touch with them for a lot of different things and they were in touch. They were asking me to promote their stuff as well personally. So when I went to that same person and I just said, hey, who, who handles your sponsorships? Do you guys ever, you know, sponsor podcasts? She's like, yeah. Call this person. Nice. So sometimes it's just whoever you know, just ask them kind of what you want to do and they may have some advice for you. 
totally. That's that's great. Great, great advice. Um, we're moving to another question from Kira, and she says, I'd like to hear about podcasts that achieve sponsorships without huge download numbers as well. So there's a couple of them that come into mind. I know that there's more, but I didn't. Re- I honestly did not. My brain was not working. So the, the Virtual Assistant podcast was uh, a podcast uh, that was produced by Cliff Ravenscraft. It's, it's now, I don't think, I don't know if you can download it anymore, or maybe it's still out there, but he stopped producing it. And it was interesting because he got that sponsor before he even launched. He was one of those. Uh, but the, he was uh, sponsored by a virtual assistant uh, company. <laughs> oh, my so, goodness. So that's, that's awesome. What, that was awesome. So what happened is he hired his first virtual assistant. He was so excited by that and by the process that he thought, oh, other people would benefit from this. And he just pitched the company that he used. And he said, hey, I'm going to be doing this. I have a really engaged audience. Um, I think it's going to be awesome. And this is what I want for the podcast sponsorship with no numbers. And I'm sure that that, that uh, podcast did not have huge downloads. Yeah. And so, I think that if you also go, you know, there's, if you listen to a lot of podcasts, I've, if you've gotten the idea that you're sponsoring, this is how I look at it too, is that I'm, I look at who's, who are people getting sponsored by? And I think, well, they're missing out on this place, this place, and this place. You know, like fresh books might be everywhere yeah, or right. Audible or whatever. But maybe there are some smaller companies that are just starting up that do want to get out there that do resonate. And I think that mm-hmm. probably that was kind of the case with this. Yeah, totally. You know? It was perfect. And, you know, I believe, I'm not sure if he, he's, he, he basically said, I'm not sure how long this is going to go on because he only did it for as long as he was pa- passionate about the subject. And so it had an end. I don't think he did that many episodes of it, but he had an end. Mind you, Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man, if you guys don't know, (laughs) is an amazing salesman. Like that's something that I have always known about Cliff. He just knows how to sell. He knows how to sell very, very well. He didn't learn how to sell. He just was born with it. So, yeah. And so it's really incredible. He can he can totally sell. So he was able to do that very easily. And Family from the Heart is another one of his podcasts where he and his wife basically get together and chat about his family, marriage, and all that fun stuff. And he uh, had an ongoing sponsorship. I'm, I'm not sure if they still have it, but he had a local store. Uh, kind of like a Walmart-ish type of store, like a store that has a lot of stuff in it, I think. And I'm not sure if it was even a physical location or an online location. And they sponsored his his podcast. And that one did, does not have a lot of numbers either. Huh. So it was really because people do what Cliff uh, says. <laughs> people like him. People like him. And then when they use stuff, when they go shopping, when they said, they just go do it. They just do what he says. And yep. so he can have, I mean, they, they have continued to sponsor him because they get results from him. They get sales from him. So yeah, that's it. That's awesome. So it goes back to your point of view and what you stand for basically. So, and, oh, and this is the thing she asked, Kira asked best ways to present sponsorship benefits or opportunities to businesses that don't quite understand the power of podcasting yet. And we just talked about what that with Anne to be able to, you know, get creative and, and be able to explain things without podcasting attached to them, the bigger picture, all that stuff that Anne said before um, of how do that, that happens. And it comes from your point of view, what you stand for, and all that fun stuff that we chatted at the beginning. And then she added, or is it better to avoid these people businesses? <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe if you don't want to work so hard, perhaps just go the easy, not easy route, but the one that's been walked 
past. But I think it really is up to us. If we want to start to think, change the way industries work and perhaps businesses work with each other and sponsor each other and help each other and advertise with one another, then it's up to us to change that. Nobody else is going to do it for us. So if you're willing to hustle and all that fun stuff. So yay. <laughs> yeah. Hustle. Uh, hustle, hustle. <laughs> so these are the last two questions. And this is, comes from Carmen. Uh, it is, she says, I'd like to know the ins and outs of sponsorship episodes versus the podcast itself, i.e. pitching to a topic-specific sponsor. Okay, so I'm going to really quickly answer this. this it, it really depends up to you. So you can either sell your entire podcast and everything that goes along with it, or you can sell specific, uh, like let's do your, let's say you are in the health and wellness industry and you're doing like a series of detox or something because it's the beginning of the year or something like that, or springtime detox. And you want to do four episodes on that topic. Maybe the stuff that you use would be somebody you could pitch and they would just buy those four episodes that you're going to do something like that. That would be a really, I think that would be a nice sell. Or you can have it, if it's the whole thing, you can sell as, a, as an encompassing thing, depending upon the deal. You just have to figure out about exclusivity because some sponsors obviously do want only to talk about your stuff. And in some industries, there's a lot of things that overlap with each other, like with the detoxes and things like that. There's mm -hmm. a lot of different detoxes out there, different ways to do it, brands that you could use that maybe if you're exclusive to one, it would be more beneficial to them. Um, so yeah. And then her second question is, what is the going rate sponsorship for your shows? That was a hundred downloads per show to a thousand downloads per show or more. Pretty much all the nitty gritty. Okay. Well, so, uh, the, so we talked about CPMs before and that was generalized. Again, it's not that that's what you're going to get $25 per thousand downloads and all that stuff. I'm just saying that's industry standard. It can go below that and it can go above that. It's really up to you if you're negotiating it for you to do it yourself, for you to be able to up the value. Most other companies that do it for you will negotiate around a $25 CPM, sometimes lower than that. Um, now in terms of selling a sponsor, like an episode, like, uh, when I was talking to you about, um, the guy that I, that I told that he got himself a sponsor, I told him to, to sell at 225. I think it was 225 or 250 because he just wanted a number. And I was like, okay, here, are you comfortable with this number? Cause at first he was like, I don't know if I can do that. And I said, yes, do it. <laughs> so, um, if you feel comfortable selling 150 to $250 per show, that's great. Somewhere around there. It's good. If you feel okay with it, you're going to sell it. Period. Right. If you want right. more, you won't. Well, honestly, so. that's I think that also, you know, when you're when you're approaching these companies, you can start there. Yeah. And maybe they'll say, "You know, we'd rather go by CPM." Uh-huh. We'd rather we we usually may or maybe you can discuss how do you Exactly. I don't know. I don't know if maybe there's a maybe you can find that out ahead of time and kind of approach people who don't necessarily have that C follow the CPM model. Maybe you can then say, I'm not going to go with them just yet. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. So, no, that's great, great advice. And you can always and you can get better. You have to remember it's not just going to be one conversation, it's going to be a lot of them. Yeah. So, whoa. Oh, whoa. I'm getting sadness in the background. I think we're going to have to. Um, yes. I'm actually getting, Wrap I'm getting it up text, texted that my father-in-law has arrived. <laughs> okay, then. So we're going to cut it short, y'all. Thank you for listening through all of this time. Now I'm going to go take care of my daughters, and we're going to take care of business in our homes. 
Elsie, that that was really awesome, Elsie. I'm excited to share with you, um, and I will definitely keep you updated on the sponsors. I have a few test sponsors that are going to be happening in the next month or so, so we'll see how those work. There were just different ideas, kind of some of the stuff that you've mentioned um, in this episode, so I'd love to update you if you want to Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. That would be so super awesome. Well, thank you, everybody. And check out everything over at ShePodcast.com or the Facebook group. And we would love to hear your feedback on this. Thanks, Elsie. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye.